gentlemen, you wanted the best, you got the best. In strong language, adult content, the hottest podcast in the world. Slowly, we rock. Hey, welcome to the first episode. More energy. <laughs> hey, welcome to Solo We Rock 2021. Oh. A brand new year. Same old podcast, same old faces. Welcome to Metal and Rock's funnest and dumbest podcast. The first recording of the post-Trump era. That's Woo. right, guys. Our hard work paid off. <laughs> You're welcome. We, we did it. Yeah, we did it. Um, after we put on our disguises and stormed the Capitol... Uh, we managed to, to trick Yeah, I never did get that Viking helmet back. <laughs> uh, welcome to Metal's First Dumb- and Dumbest Podcast. Welcome to Solid We Rock. I am your host, James. It is good to be back. It's wonderful. Uh, it's been way too long. We've been terrible at recording and even worse at releasing episodes. The ones we've recorded, we've not even put out. Um, but it is good <laughs> to be back. Everyone, yes. how are you doing? And to go around the room, Lewis, how are you? Hello, yeah, uh, it's Jim. It's it's a it's great being back. Long time listener, first time caller. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> I hope we're going to have a real good show. I hope everyone's prepared. We're going to have some fun here. Who's that uh, rock DJ who's on Brass Eye who does the um, introduction? Tommy Vance. I think it's do you mean Tommy Vance or because there's also I think Bruno Bru- I'm Dan by the way uh, Bruno Brooks uh, Bruno Brooks is also on there isn't he at one point um, it's definitely talking Tommy about Vance. space hoppers yeah. the guy no foaming, foaming not brown ale foaming not brown yeah. ale <laughs> uh, I think he took it well when he when they found out that they were being pranked because uh, a lot of people didn't obviously but Tommy Vance's one wasn't too bad, I don't think. It was just about <laughs> prison reform, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Him and uh, um, Jeffrey Boycott. <laughs> just get yourself out of bed. All the way out of bed. Um, let's not recap brass eye bits, um, but let us let me ask how you guys are doing. Um, the last time we talked, I guess, was, well, technically we were lost in time. Uh, we had I don't even know if this episode went up we had the episode where we couldn't remember where it came where where it came out in the order what release we had we had like three like yeah, this I have, yeah, yeah. and that means you've no now delayed this one happened. because we've no, no reference no, no, ones no, no, in the past. no because we've got a contingency plan because we never actually confirmed when that episode was happening remember we referenced events in the future like we did reference for Joe Biden presidency and stuff like oh, that yeah. so uh, that episode can come out whenever. It's it's effectively timeless. This episode has been confirmed to have been the first episode recorded in 2021, post-Trump yeah. era. This is confirmed. So, Dan, how are you doing in 2021? Good. If, if I'm honest, it feels a lot like 2020. Uh, I feel like I've been sold a false bill of goods. Uh, um, but certain things, like you said, like being in a post-Trump era is a massive improvement. Um so that's good. But uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. It's just same old, same old at the moment, isn't it, really? Um, as it is for most people in the country. 
So worldwide, I guess. For the most <laughs> yeah. Part. Well, if, if you're being sensible, worldwide, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I saw some some posts today when I think it was BS, and I'm not gonna lie, I reported it. Um, I'm no rat, but I was like, this just seems like false information. But someone was claiming that every single restaurant in Italy all agreed to open, and therefore the public therefore all decided to go out. And just like that, they basically like overthrew the government in any kind of stay-at-home quarantine type orders. And I was like, this doesn't this doesn't seem right. Like if How? if the entirety of Italy decided to break all quarantine rules, I know you all see the week has been like dominated by a couple of news stories that across the pond and stuff. But I feel like if an entire nation decided to rise up and go to that pizza restaurant, go to that pasta place, go get some gelato. Like, that would be, like, big news, right? How would they all get together? Well, listen, listen, look, I'm... Facebook group? I really don't... I don't want to degrade this podcast with any kind of, like, stereotypes or any really easy jokes. You shouldn't forbid. But, but... That I could not think of a more Italian thing to do <laughs> than to get the entire country to go out to restaurants on one day. And just imagine the size of our mailing list. All men must be wearing white jeans. <laughs> and then what happens if you're missed off that list? Like everybody else is open for business and nobody's oh. told you. <laughs> so you've got up in the morning, you've missed out. Because also, just imagine how how would you contact every single restaurant in a country? That's just absolutely they, no, through through clotheslines. You put uh, clotheslines in the, the balcony. Old, uh, you bean tins. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Giant, giant tins. Semaphore. Like amazing. Yeah, it's like the really good top quality, like Italian tomato puree. Like, uh, yeah, those, like the huge ones. You know. Yeah. That, that way you can really get the message out there. The bigger the can, the more people it will... Speaker. <laughs> yeah, well, the speaker, just, precisely. It's just a huge piece of penne. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's why it's that shape. Uh, so anyway, let's not be prejudiced. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't count if it's Italy. That's fine. Hey, uh, what noise does a Italian pasta phone make? Uh, Ring a Tony. Okay, good. <laughs> nice. That's a racist dad joke for you. This is good. This is, <laughs> this is we're recording this. Here we go. We're recording this the day after <laughs> Trump has been evicted and somehow we've got more racists. <laughs> well, you know, um, it's like at the supermarket uh, when there was uh, someone at the checkout said happy holidays and then a person came forward and said, you don't have to say happy holidays. You can say Merry Christmas now because Trump's in office and everyone in the supermarket cheered. Uh, <laughs> and then every, yeah, and then everybody clapped. Yeah, everybody clapped. Yeah, Are they still uh, but also <laughs> dropped Christmas. all the food they were carrying. Just sorry, Dan. Did you have something? Is, is there still a war say? on Christmas? Sorry, is it still? Is that still going on? I've I don't think there's ever a war on Christmas. No, no, no. I definitely people have said there was. So surely no, there must be. I no, just wonder Jim. how it's going because I've now celebrated 33 of them. So I'm wondering, you know, when are they going to make their move and completely stop it from happening? <laughs> Also, I feel well, like, aren't we the country seems- that were like, no, you can't celebrate like Eid and Hanukkah, <laughs> and Hanukkah but you can get together for Christmas? Yeah, yes, that is They didn't say it directly like that, which if they had done, maybe everyone would have kicked off. They just didn't really address it because yeah. government is shitbags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels, see, there is, I think all the bad stuff so far of 2021 and there's been some very weird shit it's the 21st of january for record just for you say so far 
but go on. <laughs> oh, it's it's still better than 2020. Remember, by this point, we had nearly had World War Three. Yeah, we were yeah. recording Apocalypse Part One. Yeah, and I think Australia was on fire at this point. Mm-hmm. No, it was not be. February. Wasn't it like one thing a month almost? It, yeah, yeah, maybe. That was really weird. And in March, um, we took it too far. No, February, we had the storms. We had the massive storms where my fence blew down, and it was a problem for the whole <laughs> oh, yeah, nation. Famously. Oh, yeah, <laughs> famously. Really yeah. yeah. uh, when they study this period of time in history, <laughs> this will be we've, got a blue, we've got a blue plaque now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that the bad things now are just a hangover of 2020. Mm-hmm, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah. It feels like there's there's some good change. I don't know if it's related to what happened yesterday, but I feel like... This hopefully this will make things right. I agree. I think it, I think it's as we were saying, um, because we're all still working from home. There hasn't really been that sort of line in the sand you normally get mm-hmm. uh, with each sort of Christmas New Year period, where you get to sort of refresh properly. Yeah, um, I mean, I see the line in the sand, and I think time to find out who I am. <laughs> um, but then evolution is a mystery. Well, changes no one sees. So, <laughs> just going to mm. commend you on that excellent uh, Triple H wrestling entrance music reference so um but, uh, yeah i think working from home still um which is fine there's, there's definitely much worse things happening in the world uh than me having to work in my living room uh but i feel like um i don't think we recorded this bit at the start but we were saying like it's nice at christmas you say goodbye to everybody you get that feeling of leaving the office properly for like a certain amount of time before you have to come back you get a chance to be away and then in this case, it's not really happened because everyone's still where they work essentially day to day. But on the on the bright side, it does feel like it does feel like I know things are still pretty bad as you look at newspaper like daily deaths and stuff like that. Like UK is really suffering, um, but it it does start. It is starting to feel like something resembling an end could be in sight. Mm-hmm. If either by you know big sweeping changes like in America and you know. As like a world leader, you know, we shouldn't just follow their uh, follow them constantly, but they they do still signify the tone to like a lot of the world, yeah. and so that kind of uh, that change just feel like it has a ripple effect on this side of the world, and with the oh, vaccine definitely. and stuff like that, is like I know I I know people have been vaccinated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, now which is fantastic, uh, and not just like say older uh, relatives, no, and like things frontline like that. workers and stuff as well. Um, yeah, exactly. Ha, you mean you mean sheeple? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. When, <laughs> when Bill Gates tracks you down <laughs> and does a poo on your doorstep because he knows exactly where you live because he's able to track you with the biochip. Uh, yeah, it's not your, your mobile phone um, or laptop or smart televisions <laughs> or anything like that. It's it's going to be a an injection. Um, also, he took a very long time to get this ready. If I was so, if I was a supervillain. And my plan was to track everybody by injections, and I, but I had to cause the virus first. I would have the injections ready to go uh, <laughs> a lot sooner. Um, but when he has them, I just feel like he's got the ball there. You'd that. want to reach a point though where people were like clamoring for it, desperate. Like to make people really want something, you have to take something away from them, right? So you couldn't just be like, "Oh, here's a month of the disease. Now have the vaccine." Like you really have to make people work for it. Maybe. Although, I mean, in, in our case, it's not really a first-come, first-serve situation anyway. So I feel like, unless he's yeah. really into tracking I don't know, vulnerable dude. people I, no, and, I th- like, old people, I then... Think, I think this is the ultimate first-come, first-serve. 
because <laughs> they were born first. <laughs> they were, they were right. born. So literally so first come first. Yeah. I didn't thought about that. Do you think they planned it that way? <laughs> Absolutely. It goes, yeah. it goes back decades. <laughs> yeah, it's um, just a joke. But, yeah, yeah, I do. I do agree. There's definitely an end in sight, which is really nice. I feel. Yeah. I'm not ready to book a holiday yet. Still. Because um, just realize, if you think about it, um, Windows 95 was actually the target group for the first lot of people who received the vaccine. You had to be within the window of 95 years old. There we go. Silver uh, yeah. from there, Shit. right? Yeah. It just upsets yeah, me that fuck. two thousand year olds will get in there before the rest of <laughs> <I know>. us. <laughs> I'm for that. That's really annoying. Lewis Blake, how are you doing? How have you been? Talk to me. How's yeah, your 2021 you been so far? Yeah, I think you're a little quiet, Lou, but I can hear you. What were you saying? Uh, I was just going to say, no, whatever, we'll move on from that. Jim, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> he just uh, asked you how you were doing. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, it's good to be back. Yeah. No one's asked you in a while, have they? That's, you're not even used to that question. No, it's been, no, it's been strange. Um, uh, I... I'm really, really happy though because I had this really long period off over Christmas, which disappeared and now accounts for nothing. Almost <laughs> instantly of being back, uh, but I got the opportunity to watch some like kind of groundbreaking stuff that I have never seen before. Like just real, real obvious cinema. Slowly I've, I've never seen. Yeah, um, I know. Sometimes we we do talk about film and TV and not rock and metal stuff on here, but I don't, I don't really give a shit. Uh, cause this is our podcast. We can do what we want. Well, so let's, let's be a great invisible months. person. that's having a go at us. <laughs> there hasn't been a gig in like a year. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is there to talk about? <laughs> also, I don't know who you're having to go at, but <laughs> <laughs> they know if they're listening, they fucking know. <laughs> Cecil and Blake, but please talk me through the uh, classic movies that you have been uh, you've been catching up on so i finally seen the godfather films yay and i've never like i've never seen them before and i'm genuinely so pleased that i've only just watched them because i think if i was younger i probably wouldn't have enjoyed them half as much as i did because sure. like yeah it's 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 great this sounds i know this probably sounds really stupid but turns out the godfather's good no you'd, you'd be surprised <laughs> i don't think that is stupid at all because i think a lot of people because people talk about it so much they would assume that it's not going to be living up to that hype at this point yeah okay yeah. but i think it really does and this is gonna sound ridiculous i almost think it's underrated now how good it is sometimes yeah you take it for granted. People try and dismiss it and they make like that shit family guy joke about it as if it's their opinion. Um, and they Which one? The, the Peter says that it insists upon itself. Which doesn't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's the joke that he's speaking nonsense, but then people will just say that in conversation if they haven't seen it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I've, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And part two. I feel like this is the same thing that happened with Citizen Kane towards the end of last year when Mank came out mm-hmm. because that started a whole bunch of conversations but specifically like okay Citizen Kane is meant to be the best film ever or is it and much in so that people say oh the Beatles are the greatest band ever so it goes oh this isn't the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life it's shit because obviously people can only, things can only either be the best thing ever or the worst thing ever, right? That's <laughs> uh, the internet. Yeah, and I feel, yeah, I, I totally agree that, like, The Godfather is like that. I think you have so many people talking about how good it is that 
nothing can ever live up to those expectations, right? Yeah. But apparently yeah. they did. Well, that's 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 what I was kind of scared of as well going into it. I was like, oh, what if it's like fine? <laughs> you know, it could just be fine. Uh, no, it it was it's so good. If you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen uh, Godfather, just fucking watch it. Yep. It's so good. If you're, go if you're above the age of eighteen, otherwise, yeah. please get parental guidance. You can yeah. watch it with uh, your dad or your mum. Or but no one else. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch? Um, did you? Did you have like? Two? Oh yeah. Did you watch part three? Uh, no, I didn't. And I know, <laughs> I know. We're saying like you should, you should make your own opinions on things. And everyone said it's not great. Yeah. So I, I, obviously, I have no idea if it's good or not. I just haven't got around to it. I'm uh, less excited about watching it. I will watch it definitely because I want to see how it all plays out. But I don't know if you know, but your timing's amazing because he's just gone. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's just gone back and re-edited part three. And he's moved the structure of it around a bit. Um, really? And he's, re- he's removed like three or four minutes in total of it as well to make it run a bit smoother. So I guess you should watch that one if you're going to. Um, it's not Ooh. great. But I think part of its problem is it's coming in the shadow of part one and two, yeah. which are two of the greatest films ever made. And there are moments that are, there's individual moments that are as good as stuff in those first two films. Uh, but there's also a lot of stuff in it that's, I won't spoil anything, obviously, because you haven't seen it, but there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't work. And Robert Duvall's not in it either. You know, Tom uh, Hagen. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's my favourite. Yeah, because they massively wanted to underpay him compared to Pacino. Uh, and he didn't even want the same amount of money as Pacino. He just wanted, you know, more money for his bracket. And yeah. they wouldn't give him any... I think they, they very, very much lowballed him on it, so he's not it's in... It's not like Duvall wasn't like a huge, you know, very respected star and, you know... It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I feel like also maybe Coppola made that movie about 10 years too late. I think... He got basically forced into doing it because he needed money. I feel like if he had maybe done it in like the early 80s when the guys were like a little bit younger and Pacino didn't have his weird crew cut in it. Yeah, he's got like a brush cut, hasn't he? Yeah, brush cut, yeah. I feel that would have been like the right time for it. Um... Yeah, I, I've never watched it either because I've always heard, okay, it's nowhere near as good as the others. I even had the box set and I just never bothered watching it. I, I actually had a copy of it and just never bothered with it. Um, I feel like I might go back and check it out with this new version. But kind of like, you know, for ages, like I always knew that like 80s Iron Maiden, amazing. 2000s Bruce Comeback Iron Maiden, really good. I knew 90s Maiden was rubbish. I'm like, well, why am I going to listen to that? What's the point? What's the point? In the end, we did listen to the whole thing. Uh, but, but I put it yeah. off for ages because I was like, I know it's not going to be as good. The earlier stuff is <laughs> so, so good. Why would I like? Why would I go listen to this rubbish middle period stuff where I can just enjoy good early stuff? And that's kind of how I feel about The Godfather. And, and I guess what you're, what you're saying there is we were absolutely correct yeah. to have all those preconceptions. Totally, yeah. <laughs> what were your sort of favourite bits or what were the sort of standouts of the two um, films? Again, again, this, it, like, all of the obvious shit. Brando. Mm-hmm. Brando was just incredible. Worth every penny, uh, isn't think... he? He's reading off of, um, if you can believe it, he's reading off of cue cards in some of those scenes. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. And it also prompted me to learn more about him. <laughs> and he is <laughs> so interesting. Yep. He's done some really cool shit. He's done, he's done some very strange shit. Yeah, but he's done he, he some really some very, good stuff. Very progressive, interesting stuff yeah. as well. Um, 
he's amazing. He's worth every penny of uh, that performance in that film. And then he was meant to be in, you know, the end bit with the party in part two. Yeah. He was meant to be in that, but he oh. refused to do it. So that's why it's a surprise party instead of like right. a, a sit down dinner. There's loads of stuff like that. Like I got really excited because I was like, oh my God, we're going to see him. We're going to see him again. Uh, and we didn't. Do you know, James fine. Khan got paid his entire wages from Godfather 1 again to be in that scene for in Godfather 2. Fucking hell, his really? full pay for one scene where he's having to go, uh, yeah. Well, it was funny as well, because the day before we watched Godfather, we watched Elf. <laughs> <laughs> James Caan double bill. <laughs> yeah, seeing Will Ferrell give, him some, uh, give James Caan some negligee for Christmas. Um, great. I Straight into Elf Godfather. over Christmas because it's, it's a great Christmas movie. Yep, brilliant. Uh, one of my favourite bits in it is... Uh, when Will Ferrell is talking to James Caan and he just keeps saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. that's exactly the kind of thing that like a, a, like a five-year-old yeah. that, who's just really excited to see their parents <laughs> would yeah. say. I, I saw a film critic on Twitter saying it would be great if more films opened with um, Bob Newhart just explaining the general setup and feelings <laughs> of the film. Because yeah. then I was imagining like the start of Rise of Skywalker with like him, <laughs> him being like, well, uh, we, we don't know how, but... Uh, Somehow the Emperor's returned, I guess, and that's that's where we are now. <laughs> Can we also uh, set, please celebrate 12 months of Rise of Skywalker being our punching bag? <laughs> oh, do you think that's why we didn't record in December, subconsciously? Well, we ran out of jokes. Uh, well, no, we just sort of... <laughs> we everyone just, I reckon we all more. felt very maudlin and we couldn't work out why. And it turns out it's because it's been a year since uh, somehow... Yeah. That was what Emperor's returned. until 3.30 in the morning. Do you think they just paused... Uh, continuing to write that film and it's only today that they've put out new updates <laughs> they could be adding stuff into... to Disney Plus as we speak <laughs> there's a dagger okay, no, I can't even it's too, it, you guys don't get it okay yeah. it's a bit um, like how you wait to be older to watch Godfather you need to be like yeah. in your 90s to really appreciate um, before, before I ask you about a couple more um, uh, films you checked out uh, I would love to also know what you thought of Godfather Part 2 because like yeah. part, part 1 is just Iconic scene after iconic scene, right? I always feel like I get a... The first time I watched Godfather, I had... Uh, I call it like Simpsons Deja Vu, where you realise that you're seeing the original source of something which was then parodied yeah. years later in The Simpsons. Yeah. But because you were a kid, you saw it in The Simpsons first. And I would say probably about 90% of Citizen Kane and most of The Godfather Part 1 has been parodied in some point in The Simpsons. Um... But yep. then I got through to Godfather Part 2, and actually there's loads of like amazing stuff in there. Some of it maybe hasn't been as homaged over the years as uh, the first one, but I feel like the second one, like to tell an even bigger, more epic story, and to have like the two timelines running parallel with each other, right? Yeah. Uh, it's such an achievement. What do you think of Part 2, especially like De Niro playing, um, yeah, playing great. the role, right? Um, I, I really, really liked, I, th it was, it was interesting. I didn't, I think I preferred, or I got more enjoyment from one. I, th I think it, it just felt way more contained. Mm -hmm. Uh, two felt much more like in, and in a good way as well, you know, in, um, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood where nothing really happens, yeah. but you're just so immersed in just life, just mm -hmm. these people's lives. Two was way more like that. 
uh, it, it's, I don't know, it just felt like a slice of life. I really, really loved it. It doesn't hold your um, hand, does it, part yeah. two? No, not at all. Like, yeah. I, I thought that I missed so many things until about, like, 20 minutes in. I was like, what the fuck have I missed? It's like, oh, they're just, they're really not giving anything to the audience. You have yeah. to pay attention to everything. Yeah, I, I think the, the main point of confusion in two is that, you know, Frank Pental- Pentangeli, the guy with the really hoarse, hoarse voice who, like, yeah. almost turns on them. That was meant to be uh, Clemenza from the first film uh, but the okay. actor insisted he wanted to write his own lines for part two <laughs> so, <laughs> so he ended up not being in it um, okay. <laughs> because once I once I understood that bit that whole bit makes a lot more sense because yeah, like who's this okay. guy where's he come from um, but um, the Simpsons do parody part two because Homer imagines himself as Don Finucci Yes, being given donuts, donuts in the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my favourite scenes: Nero stalking like the rooftops and stuff. Uh, oh, the bit it. when he um, when the lights buzzing and the Don goes to tap it and it just illuminates <sighs> De Niro's face on and off. Oh, I feel like I know what I'm doing this weekend. Um, <sighs> but also, two is kind of weird because like the first one feels like a classic gang story in a way, gangster because there is the Italian mob. They're in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you've got like that vibe, the energy. Second one is like a deconstruction way. It takes you, obviously there's still something set in old time New York, but it takes you as far away from New York as possible. You've got Michael out like uh, near Lake Tahoe. Is it Lake Tahoe? Yeah, he's... Yeah, um, it is, yeah. Yeah, and uh, like Vegas and stuff. And then he's off to Cuba. Uh, yeah. And it's about uh, as far away from like that traditional setting for like a, a mobster movie as you can kind of imagine in a way. Um, and I, I, I also, I love that about it. Also, Hyman Roth is like... Hyman Roth. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and like Pacino in both of them is just amazing. It's so nice. Uh, probably the greatest seeing... performance by an actor, possibly. I... Yeah, it's superb. And it, isn't superb. it funny how understated and contained he is in that film? Like when he erupts in that film, he really erupts. And then... But I think that's what broke Pacino because obviously he didn't get an Oscar for that. And then they gave him a make good Oscar because his 80s were pretty much awful after Scarface. Mm-hmm. And then they basically gave him a make good Oscar for um, Scent of a Woman, where he plays quite a big character in that. Right. And then pretty much from there onwards, you just get big Pacino constantly yeah. from like, <laughs> which is great. Like I love, and he still can be quiet when he wants to. He, but. he also went off and did a lot of theatre right in the 80s. I think so. Yeah, his 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 uh, film output was absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't a good decade Which for him. But makes me wonder. Like he comes back and he's spent like a decade performing on stage, in front of the camera again. Everything's suddenly much bigger. No, it could be. Yeah, that's a good point. That's probably giving him a bit too much of uh, <laughs> too much credit. I mean, also, having watched, I watched Heat and The Devil's Advocate, uh, like in the same Fig week leaf. over Christmas. Which are basically like the two biggest Pacino performances. Was that Christmas Eve? No, it wasn't Christmas Eve. Because there was one, there was one evening at Christmas where me and Jim were essentially texting each other because we were both watching the same screening of uh, Devil's Advocate on like Sky Movies. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, it's like we'd never seen it before because yeah, Devil's Advocate is, and we can't go into that now. Yeah, we can't. Lewis, did you watch any of the classic movies? We got so taken in uh, by The Godfather. Yeah, so we also got we got super into um, just a bunch of Pacino. So uh, Carlito's Way, which I've never seen. Do you like I it? I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it's good, it. Good, isn't it? It's sort of um, cheesy, but like in it, in it. Yeah, it works. But he, he he was great in it. He's amazing. He was, in it, yeah. He was really and Sean good Penn. in it. Yes, Sean Penn 
is what he's got what, like an I afro, don't know. Uh, curly afro. Yes, deal, right? he does. Yeah. Um, what is the deal with Sean Penn? Because this, I don't know anything about him as a person, but I just assume he's awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's very, he's, he's very intense and very. Um, Not he seems to be incredibly self serious. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot. Okay. Of, which I think is now not true, but apparently there was a lot of rumours in the early 90s from either Madonna or him or both or that he, like, beat her. Yeah. But oh. then also, in more recent years, that seems to not have been the case. Okay. Um, so that's all very strange as well. They had a very, yeah. they had a very high profile issue. I have ne- I've never been a Sean Penn fan. I've always it found it. I've always found him, yeah, way too self-serious way too intense which is weird because between like, two ferns is amazing though because of yeah. that yeah yes um and i've always there's always been about him i've always just found like quite uncomfortable um yeah and his after he after he won his oscar the milk um he just i feel like he's dropped off the face of the earth yeah i think is that his second oscar did he win one for mystic river as well i can't remember I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. I get confused. Yeah. I didn't you realize you watched Carlitos Way though, Lou. That's um, yeah, that's a good film. Carlitos Way is a good one where everyone in it is someone you recognise. Like yeah, throughout the whole film. Yeah, you even had Aragorn uh, yeah. pop up. John Leguizamo is in it as well, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but more importantly than any of these things, uh, this has led us to. I've been on a bit of a. We've been really enjoying some mafioso binging have you seen goodfellas uh, which, oh yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah. good yeah i thought you had yeah sorry Lo- love that film yeah. um and it's led us perfectly to the sopranos yes the best I, I, I have you seen it jim have you watched it again. jim sorry that look you said that again someone rude was talking <laughs> over you, have you- <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> have you seen it jim yeah 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 yes of course so this this is my first ever run through and I'm I'm pretty like I know one very 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 big spoiler, <laughs> which I'm guessing is how everything ends. But I don't know any any context to it at all. Oh sure. So, so other uh, than that, I think I've managed to do really good at avoiding like what 21 years worth of spoilers. Good. I, I think you've, you're probably alright now because no one's really talking about it as much as well. Yeah. It's not as. So where are you up to now? You've watched the first two series. Uh, yeah, we have it. It's unreal. It's phenomenal, isn't I it? I, I think it might wait. be my favourite TV show ever. I can't wait for you to get to the episode uh, uh, where there's two characters stuck in the woods, basically. Yeah. Okay. Don't Amazing. say anything else. I can't um, tell you anything else, but it's it's so funny. How um, much did you love Richie April? Uh, so, <laughs> so for anyone for anyone uh, listening that, has, that hasn't seen this, Richie April is a character who's just like very terrifying he's got the coldest deadest eyes i've ever seen on a human yeah. he's and he's a real piece of shit but when when we were watching it he came into it, i was like shit i swear to god i've seen him play this kind of terrifying character in something else where he's just lurking and he's just quiet and he's just very brooding i was like what was it because it I remember it being really good. And it was definitely Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, he plays um, the the father of one of Robert's girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about Richie April. He's clearly, he's a brilliant actor in it. The guy who plays him is a brilliant yeah. actor. But he's clearly at least 15 years 
too old for the role. Yeah. So, yeah. It it was really strange. Because it's clearly a dye job, isn't it? Uh, his hair. Um, also, talking of hair and Sopranos, uh, Joe Pantaleonez. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, okay. Yeah. With his with his Kevin and Perry centre parting. It's incredible, isn't it, his hair? His, um, oh, I love that show so much. I love all the, I love all the characters in it. are just absolutely brilliant. Like Uncle Junior, Tony's mum. Yeah, I'm so excited for you to watch more of it as well. Uh, it's yeah. it's really cool. It's it's so so good. James Gandolfini is. Ju- I mean, the, the amazing, cast is amazing. But Ga- Gav- Gandolfini though, just unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah, T- taken way too soon. That guy. You shouldn't like Tony Soprano uh, at all, really, on paper. No. When you look at the stuff he does, but the way that James Gandolfini portrays him and play, you know what he brings to that role really make I, I don't know if it would work to well any other actor in the, in the role because they wanted they were looking at Ray Liotta originally um, to play Tony okay. Soprano um, which obviously you can't know because that's so different it, you wouldn't know how that would compare but yeah, I think the way James Gandolfini plays him is just incredible because it, well, he manages to walk that tightrope between you never fully like think he's an utter piece of shit it's always in and out i think you feel sometimes like you're getting manipulated as much as the people in it oh absolutely like his charisma yeah Yeah, he's he's incredible he's the the archetype for pretty much every tv lead male character for these like prestige type drama shows in like 20 years as far as you you wouldn't have don draper in mad men you wouldn't have uh Walter in uh, I was Breaking just going to say Breaking Bad uh, yeah. was it Ozark as well um, whatever success. Lee Schreiber does in uh, Lee Schreiber yeah in Ray TV show he's trying to fix trying John to fix Boy's toilet, toilet. yeah <laughs> um, you, you want Succession right um, oh yeah absolutely a, definitely not a TV Succession show, a TV show where the pitch for it is every single member of the cast is fucking horrible and yet you can't help but watch <laughs> it and enjoy every minute of it I know people um, who gave up on Succession because of that <laughs> Me and my because sister basically send each other succession <laughs> screenshots and quotes constantly to say, why isn't it back yet? Why isn't it back? I Have know. you seen Succession, Lewis? No. Okay, I think it's on, it's on now TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. it okay. comes and goes. Um, it's a it's from uh, Jesse Armstrong, who was one of the co-creators and writers of Peep Show. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And he has, some, he has made it huge in America now and won like play, you know, all these awards for this TV show. But the pitch of the show is basically imagine like a Murdoch style media empire uh, where the head of the family um, is kind of maybe on his way out and he's got lots of children working with, around him who are all desperate to take over the empire. Okay. And it's about this power struggle to take over as well as like the interpersonal relationships between their, the way they play off each other. Um, there is not maybe like a single good person on that show. Um, and yet you can't help but like watch it. You, you kind of root for them all as well as they kind of like stab each other in the back. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I also in Peep Show how like the actual like quality of jokes in the lines, like constantly, like there's always like a funny joke. Yeah. Uh, and a memorable line and succession is no different like the actual horrible shit they say to each other is is incredible um, okay yeah i would 
it's probably it's it's my favourite show, uh, new show in a couple of years. Um, yeah, and it's cool. Uh, okay, it's, uh, it's, Brian it's really Cox good. Yeah, plays the head of the family. Uh, uh, yeah, OG Hannibal yeah. Lecter and uh, all sorts of other stuff. Like, I th- okay, I thought you meant the is it the uh, what the, the astronomer? Sadly, <laughs> 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 not. Very different vibe. Again, we don't know now because they cast the wrong Brian Cox. <laughs> we'll never know what it could have been. But uh, also, Lewis, do you know? Your Sopranos watching is incredibly, incredibly well timed, because there's a prequel movie that would have been out by now, if yeah, not for um, heard about if this. not for um, um, the coronavirus. Um, and I think it's I'm, prequel. I'm familiar with the coronavirus. Yes, um, I couldn't think of what it was called, which was no, nice for a second, and then <laughs> that's reality. But it's about it's going to be about um, Christopher's dad, um, and Tony's dad, I think, and and. Um, we just said it in James Gandolfini's real life son is playing he play, yeah. a young Tony in it. So it, it should he, be really good. I'm really like interested him, to see man. what it's going to be like. He really looks like him. Yeah. It's it's really sweet. And I know he's really chuffed as well about just being able to kind of carry on his dad's legacy a bit. It's just all very nice. But yeah, it's, I, I don't understand how how all of these terrible people can make you love them so much. Uh, Gandolfini, especially, I don't know how he does it. But he's never. You're right, now. He never goes beyond that line where he's completely abhorrent, right? Despite the fact of what he does, but he can he can just turn at a heartbeat and be the most terrifying person on screen. Yeah, I think what I find really because it is a really funny show as well. The Sopranos is being yeah, the humor is fantastic. And, so and there's a lot of it. How blunt a lot of them get sometimes with dealing with situations. I think it's what makes me laugh the most. Like <laughs> they'll avoid violence with them, and sometimes they will just do the most blunt force, pull in a china shop solution to an issue, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> completely out of nowhere. Um, oh, I just love it. It's just like as it, um, characters. Like I think it's because it, uh, it, they give Tony like he's got you know like a weakness, right? And that's it. That his mental health problems, right? Yeah, he mm. suffers. He has uh, the panic attacks, anxiety attacks, things like that. Um, I think, you know, that vulnerability helps. I think when you talk about, like, casting Ray Liotta, like, um, I'm guessing I'm trying to think what Ray Liotta would have looked like in 99. Like, I mean, if you look at him in Goodfellas, you know, he's, like, a tall, handsome, you know, a bit rough around the edges because he's a gangster, yeah. but, you know, handsome, like, Hollywood-looking dude. Mm. And um, James Gandolfini is a character actor <laughs> through and through. Uh, and I think that helps. Um, I think if you if you had someone who was a bit, to like if you had like a like a Pacino in Godfather Part 2 where he's just fucking terrifying yeah it's just scary yeah you don't want to be around him you're like afraid to be in the same room as him um it, it wouldn't have worked but like having this kind of like heavy breathing anxiety attack suffering heavy set sort of schlubby but also physically imposing where he needs to be dude especially in the early works. seasons he's he's pretty He's he's in real shape in in the first couple of seasons as well. Yeah, yeah. And he's but a big also, dude it focuses as on well. both families, doesn't it? Which is the other big thing about it. You get as much of his real family, like his wife and kids, yes. as you do with his other his other family um, yeah. as well. Yeah, it's just it's got it's got a lot to say about like you know changing America, like masculinity. Um, just. It's it's such a smart show, and mm. uh, you see, it's 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 a blueprint for for everything, you know. Um, like and the 
we've the dialogue. Like, with like Breaking Bad as well, like you know, that show has like an absolute ton of humor in it as well. On account of like you know, Walter is like an absolute fucking geek at times, and he's completely out of his depth. Yeah, and they find a way to kind of let you uh, still have some vulnerability to the character, right? That you can actually still empathize with them that they don't become completely like beyond irredeemable or unwatchable um i think this the one show actually which deliberately doesn't do that is um the shield Mm. okay have you ever seen the shield nope i don't even know what it's on these days it it kind of came up around the same time as the sopranos uh maybe a couple of years later and it's uh based on slightly real but basically it's based about a um kind of squad of like uh vice cops in like south central la uh who mainly deal with like uh latin sort of hispanic drug gangs but they are completely corrupt um the very first episode they like basically rob some dealers and kill an internal affairs investigator who has infiltrated their team um but from there basically it sets off like it, t- it t- turns the whole show into like a pressure cooker where these guys are doing incredibly dodgy things, taking down dealers, taking a cut, also have like internal affairs after them, drug dealers after them. And it's just about like, it's like seven seasons of this uh, pressure cooker <laughs> getting hotter and hotter. Um, okay, cool. But um, the main uh, dude in it is Michael Chitlis, who basically he looks like Hollywood Phil Mitchell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, he he's a, he is a bad dude and he does have like a little bit of like vulnerability in regards to like his family and stuff but he just becomes more and more and more irredeemable as the show goes on yeah like uh it's also got walton goggins in it who is just absolutely incredible and is like really broken out as like a amazing character actor as well um i will warn you the first episode does have kid rock's bar with the bar in it <laughs> um but if you can make it if you, during a montage but if you can make it through that, it's um, it's one again. I think it's slightly underrated uh, when you because it because it kind of ran alongside Sopranos. It's a bit more procedural because it's a tech tradition. You know, it's still a, a cop show, but like it has a, an amazing cast, amazing guest appearances. Like Forrest Whitaker does a series. Um, Glenn, Glenn Close, Close is in it as well. Um, uh, CCH Pounders in it also fantastic. Andre like, three thousand. Yeah, Andre three thousand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, yes, uh, you, it's just, it's absolutely amazing to see like the situations these guys get themselves into and how they manage to get out of it and not get caught. Um, yeah, fantastic show that I'd recommend. Like if you want something similar to surprise in terms of like, you know, um, some bad guys that you are kind of following along, uh, definitely show I recommend. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And Michael Chiklis, is he was he the thing in yes. Fantastic Four? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's yeah, I'm I'm loving it. I'm really, really loving it. Everything that Gandolfini's laying down, I'm picking up. He's he's just so good. So yeah, it's it's been a joy. And and we were treated for the first time in a very long time to good Star mm-hmm. Wars. Oh. Yes. Mando. I, I don't actually think that we've spoken about it properly. We uh, haven't. I, no, I, think, I, think, we I have. think maybe we should um, we should do a Mandalorian series two episode 
Um, okay. If you guys are up for it. Um, yeah. Because I would love to talk about that. Uh, I've, I've watched it through twice now. And yeah, there would be some really cool stuff to talk about. Also, I think we've got, when it's done, I don't know if you've seen any of it yet, Lewis, we should probably do like a one division spoiler episode once that's all aired. Yeah, I haven't um I haven't seen any yet. I don't know I don't know how long we're gonna hold off. How many episodes are there? No. Two so far. Yeah. Two okay. so far. And they're about half an hour each. They're literally sitcom length. Um, okay, cool. Episodes and yeah, it's really, really interesting so far. It's yeah. really unlike anything Marvel have done. I think that's why before. it's quite exciting, right? Yeah. It um, feels, in a way, like the most comic book thing they've done, because in comic okay. books, sometimes you can just say, ah, fuck the formula, we're just going to do this for a few issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, the, you know, in the way that you get, like, a Superman Red Sun, or... Um, a yeah, Dark Knight uh, Returns, or whatever. A Dark Knight Returns, yeah. you know. Those Elseworld stories were all, like... Um, excuse me uh or like those weird x-men so yeah the x-men sort of the time travel you know the one um days of future past yeah (laughs) yeah uh stuff like that and um in a way it feels like the most comic booky thing they've done because it's like yeah we can just get real weird in this sort of in this thing so it'll be a new episode tomorrow that's free after about six more uh i would say yeah maybe give the first three a go then like mando it's an episode a week uh about the same length you know about half an hour or so mm-hmm. um and yeah it's really cool but um i think doing you know i assuming the show doesn't shit the bed um i think it could be really fun just to do like a uh, a recap of the whole thing when it's done so i think both mando and wandavision maybe we should save for uh, another episode yeah, yeah i think we can easily go in a whole hour on mando because we'll inevitably end up talking about the surrounding films and Stuff like that as well. Because um, we talk about Star Wars enough anyway for a non-Star Wars podcast. So I can't imagine that's going to be difficult. Um, I haven't really watched any new. I'm just trying to think if I've watched any new TV shows. Oh, there is one that I don't know if you've oh. seen it, but you will both love. And anyone listening to this should watch. Thank you to James for the recommendation on this. Uh, Operation Odessa on Netflix. Oh, I've seen that, I think. Uh, let me just check. It is nuts. It's just a one-off documentary. Oh, no, I haven't uh, seen this. That looks mad. Okay, it's it's wild. It's about a guy <laughs> who's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I've just read the blurb. Oh, my God. On, give, give us the blurb. Uh, a Russian mobster, a Cuban spy, and a smooth operator from Miami scheme to sell a Soviet submarine to a Colombian drug cartel. Yep. <laughs> and every single person in it is Scarface. Oh my god! <laughs> it is insane. It's uh, so so good. You should both definitely definitely watch it. Oh, I'm yeah. so on board for this. Wow! <laughs> and you you cannot help but love the one guy as well. It's a, it's a real Tony Soprano situation going on. He's a man called Tarzan, and he's this big <laughs> Russian dude. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, I will definitely report back on that next episode. That is okay. Ticking a lot of boxes for me. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. What about you, Jim? Have you, have you seen anything? So, oh, man, we we so haven't spoken about music I've, yet. I've been, I know. Uh, I've been, so I've been watching like a whole bunch of movies. Um, I've, been, I've committed this year to doing Letterboxd properly. Um, for those who don't know, Letterboxd is an app um, where basically you just list, rate, and review things that you have watched, uh, movies, TV shows. 
um, Dan and a uh, another friend to basically uh, do a much better job than I do of like keeping track of everything. So this year is the year where I will make sure I record every single movie and TV show that I've watched throughout the course of the year. Um, what yeah. have I been watching? Uh, kind of all sorts. Um, what's the last the last movie I watched? Actually, uh, was uh, I watched Soul. The new Pixar oh, yeah. movie. Oh, no, I still need to yeah. watch. I keep forgetting. Which I, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I was like, why well, is look at this list I've just been talking about? Uh, so absolutely incredible. Um, so good. Like I'm not like it's not that I don't like those movies like Pixar and a lot of animated films. I just don't necessarily go out of my way to watch them. That's what I'm like. Um, yeah. And uh, but I and and so I know that there's some specifically which are like. Oh, well, this this movie is like incredible. Like Inside Out is incredibly high regarded. Mm-hmm. Up is very high regarded. Coco, like some of the more like recent, like Toy Story Four, you know, people seem to really like that one as well. I was like, okay, I should uh, let's get back on this train. Okay, I'm currently stealing Swords Disney Plus login. I should probably <laughs> take advantage of that. Uh, so I watched Soul, and it was absolutely awesome. Um, just for anyone who has somehow doesn't know what it's about. Uh, it's Jamie Foxx as like a kind of middle-aged uh, band teacher in New York who has aspirations of being a jazz musician, but has never quite made it, N- not even close to making it. And he finally lands his uh, dream gig when he is abruptly uh, killed uh, and he's about to go to heaven and he realizes that nowhere I can't die yet because I still have so much I want to achieve in life. I've not become this like incredibly famous jazz musician. And so it's about him trying to basically find his way back to earth to complete this gig alongside a, another soul he meets played voiced by Tina Fey, who basically has never gone to earth to inhabit a body, to become a person because she looks at earth and goes, ah, it just looks like a lot of hassle. Life doesn't seem that fun. I'd rather yeah, just hang it. out uh, in like the, in the <laughs> ether uh, and um, just, you know, just keep on enjoying my life doing not a lot of anything. Um, they both basically end up, this is like all trailer stuff, they basically end up back on Earth in like a bit of a silly body swap situation. And it's kind of all about them learning, you know, the value of, you know, living, what it means to, to be alive in like 24 hours on Earth. Um, it's got a soundtrack by Trent Reznor and Atticus Finch. Atticus They're Ross just on fire. Atticus Finch. Atticus, Finch. Yeah. Atticus Ross, yeah. Um, which Atticus Ross, uh, and uh, which is absolutely amazing. It's really funny because like they have such a distinctive sound, and you're watching a Pixar movie, and you can hear bits of Nine Inch Nails playing, and like <laughs> this is just very weird and creepy. Um, but uh, it's it's amazing. The animation's absolutely stunning. Um, there's part of me that wishes that Pixar would go into like their Studio Ghibli phase where Studio Ghibli can go, we're going to make a movie about the guy who invented a type of fighter plane in World War II, which kamikaze pilots use. Mm. <laughs> like, and that's it. There's no, there's no body swap. There's no, he gets shrunk down in, you know, or there's yeah, no, yeah. you know, any, there's no like kind of like kids film element to it. And, I would love Pixar to actually take that step and do that kind of movie because the first 15 minutes of um, a soul, just seeing like their interpretation of New York and the life of this um, teacher and this uh, jazz musician was absolutely beautiful. 
and I was thinking like one day like just just make that movie just make that slice of life kind of movie where we just see the regular world through your yeah, eyes because I agree they are so talented that they like even though it's it's fun and they are making kids films uh, I feel like they have they've got they could tell that story they could tell that um not necessarily more adult story or more mature story but they don't have to have like just ground the hook. The, yeah, exactly. Just ground it. Um, but honestly, five out of five, like, I guess it's probably the first new, I guess, you know, technically it came out like right at the end of last year because it was around Christmas time. But for the sake of uh, my list, it's the first like new 2021 movie I've seen. And like, it's like, it's five stars easily. I absolutely loved it. I thought the biggest thing, uh, there's two, two big things with that film that I absolutely adored was one, the sound design. Is incredible. I actually didn't know that it was Trent Reznor. Uh, I had no idea about that, and it makes so much sense. But mm. it's it it just feels really unique to that film, and it didn't feel like I don't know. You, you always had to kind of readjust of like what you expect from a Pixar film, yeah. just from the hmm. music and like it's so strange and it's so different and it's wonderful. And the other nice. thing was the kind of the message about it is all about. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is kind of spoiler territory. I, say, I haven't seen it, so... Yeah, okay. The, basically, the message of the film is a really important thing that is so easy to forget, mm. and it felt so appropriate for lockdown, where you're very much stuck inside your <laughs> yeah, own head, absolutely. and you're holding yourself Okay, I'll to, definitely watch it this weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where you're just holding yourself to something, Yeah, and yeah, all, all the, the negative energy that can come with that. They they just set yeah. up perfectly, and it's it just felt like the perfect film for lockdown. Yeah, I mean, like it's one thing uh, we uh, we kind of lament being locked down and stuff like that, and yet here we are just having a chat, and you go, God, that's really fun, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, going for going for that first pint post lockdown, you think, Oh my God, this is absolutely incredible. And yeah, the film is very oh, much about taste like, so sweet, yeah, isn't it? Those lo- yeah, exactly, and that's that's kind of what the film absolutely nails. And I think because it goes into like the kind of like kids film formula it does make where the film and story it's telling and where it's going a little bit you know where it's gonna go yeah right? yeah and so yeah and but there's nothing wrong with that because like it's fun to have your expectations matched um but yeah it, it, it made me um itch for that uh that pixar slice of life story you know absolutely but god damn what a great movie absolutely fantastic um, I'll tell you what movies I've watched so far this year. Yeah, I've watched 20. Uh, I said I hadn't watched anything. I've watched 20 this year. <laughs> oh, well done. Christ. I think I've watched, what's that? I've watched, uh, I've logged 12 films this year. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, Train to Busan. Oh, how is uh, I've been recommended that a million times. Good fun. Yeah, yeah, it is a good, good-ass zombie movie. Not yeah. the goriest zombie movie you're ever going to see, but um, it's really, just a fun film, isn't it? Really it's, fun, Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it's because because it's like a Korean movie, or whatever. Um, there's like real melodrama in there as well. Okay, like okay, loads cool. of melodrama. Um, I watched Last of the Mohicans. Great, um, more melodrama. Awesome movie, yeah. With like one of the best soundtracks ever. That's some of the incredible. best running ever committed to film outside of a Tom Cruise film. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> basically just like he, he's kind of going for like the you know the the guy on the cover of the romance novels. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's he's channeling that energy. Um I watched the first three Matt Damon Bourne movies, which is just like just get better and better. Um 
I watched after watching Queen's Gambit, I watched the adaptation of Emma that came out last year. And between Queen's Gambit and Emma, it genuinely made me wonder what people's normal eyes look like. It was just really confusing. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of the highlights include Uncut Gems again, because it's just incredible. But you want to relax for something, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Knives Out again, because it's also amazing. Yeah. That was that was good fun. I yeah. fucking yeah. love that film. And I also watched you know, keep on the Disney train. I watched the most recent like adaptation or like remake, whatever, of Mulan. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Okay. But also, I don't really want it, to watch it because I quite it, like the it, original. It feels like watching a contractual obligation. Well, I, like right, the whole okay. the whole and thing they cut just, the Donny Osmond song out. So what's the point of watching yeah, it? Yeah, the, honest, whole, the yeah. whole thing just feels it's like like they were like, well. We have to remake all of our movies because that's what we're doing, and let's. So I guess we've got to do Mulan at some point. So let's do it. There's like zero reason for it to exist. Like I've seen um, the remake they did of Beauty and the Beast, and some people like it. Some people think it's like you know, it's messing with sort of a you know a sacred ground. You know, you shouldn't sort of shouldn't touch it. It's a sacred cave, even. Um, but like they at least they added like two new songs for it, and they brought all the original songs through well that version mulan takes out all the songs but it doesn't quite go for like a full-on historical epic it still feels like a remake of a cartoon oh really but it and it takes some fantastical elements out like you haven't got eddie murphy as a dragon uh, in it but it also leaves some in as well so you really feel like you're not getting like the best of either like you're not getting like a full-on historical uh drama with like big spectacle and outfits, you know, you get a little bit of that, but you're not also getting like the fantasy element of it in full. Mm. You get a little bit of it, and you're not getting the songs. Sounds so like well, this couldn't it, commit to one or the other, so it kind of yeah. fails at both. Um, it was just cool. I'm just like, oh well, yeah, Michelle, yeah, Donnie Yen, Jet Li, they all got a payday, so good on them. I'm just really confused. Yeah, Donnie also gets payday. Yeah. yeah, I'm just really confused with all of these live action remakes. Because mm. I mean, other than other than money, uh, which is the answer to this question, like why? Like I don't, I no, don't care, and, and I don't, I don't think it's anything to do with, um, like you know, how dare you? I love Lion King, love Lion King. How dare you touch Lion King? It's nothing like that. I just don't see how they could bring anything more interesting than these wonderful animated films did. Like it's, it's just like, money. The Lion King's the perfect example, right? I love John Favreau. It- but who cares so it's if the lion things, looks think. more realistic and is voiced by Beyonce? That means nothing. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just I, it's, I think it's very it's, cynical. Um, I think it's two things. Mainly it's money. Yep. Ultimately. I mean, also it makes I think the world for, go round, right? For you some of the directors, yeah. it's either a, st- a stepping stone to something else because that's a very yeah. unique opportunity in this day and age to direct something like that. Um, or it's a, I'll do this for you and then you let me do... X, Y, Z. I don't think without Jungle Book being a big hit, and that one's actually quite decent, but still a bit pointless that live action Jungle Book, but it's it's quite decent in places. But I think without that, you probably wouldn't get John Favreau end up doing yeah, um, Mando and stuff like that. Yeah, so I think that's what a lot of it is. Yeah, because I feel like John Favreau's time with like Marvel and Disney, obviously he he still. Uh, appears in like you know, Spider Man, Iron Man, uh, Iron Man Three, and the Avengers movies. But mm. I very specific. It's weird because I very specifically remember him saying, him walking away from doing 
Avengers or another Iron Man movie. And he was like touted as being the guy who was going to do Avengers initially before Joss Whedon uh, stepped in. Um, and now in hindsight, I think actually I want John Favreau's first Avengers movie. <laughs> um, but he, I remember him walking away saying, after Iron Man 2, because that's when they had set up like Thor and Captain America and Black Widow. Uh, and I remember him just saying, yeah, it didn't feel like my movie anymore. Um, so okay. I, you know, I, I was like, I'm making like their movie, not my movie. Whereas he said, Iron Man 1, that felt like it was my film. Um, but then he went on to do a remake of The Jungle Book and <laughs> The Lion yeah. King. I think Lion uh, King must have been some kind of favour. Yeah. I think Jungle but, Book, you could say it's probably interesting to use that technology in that way. And well, and that created Mandalorian. Yeah, well, yeah thing, you've got because, a live action human in that film with could, yeah, everyone yeah. else's CGI. Because Mando feels way more. I don't know if it's necessarily like, feels like John Favreau specifically his thing, because I don't really know what John Favreau's thing is. I can tell def- you. It doesn't feel like it's the same people that made. Oh, here we are again talking about Star Wars. It doesn't feel like it's the same people <laughs> who made the um, sequel uh, trilogy. No. Uh, but that's the thing with um, with this Mulan remake is, I d- yeah, I, I just don't know who it's for. Um, yeah. It's just, it just seems like it's a very cynical cash grab. And I think you could probably say for a lot of... It's funny we've gone to the opposite end of the spectrum. We've gone from like a, a Disney-related property in Seoul, which is like one of the best movies, you know, I've seen in the last like 12 months to Mulan, which is just the most stock by the numbers kind of thing. And they seem to be, they seem to be in this weird situation where like, obviously Disney's always going to be like, okay, how can we put something out? which is going to make the most money. And they're very protective over everything. Um, but it's interesting to see like when it works, how well it works with like a WandaVision with like some Marvel stuff with the Pixar stuff. And when it doesn't work, uh, and you just get something which is completely disposable, like uh, like Mulan and like The Lion King and stuff. Even though you get some of the same creatives in there as well, it's just it's yeah. weird. The House of Mouse, <laughs> what's going on? I think it's that it's that whole thing at the minute that there seems to be this uh, this feeling that if you want to make a billion or five billion dollars from a film, then it needs to cost at least a billion to make. And everything's just geared so hard in Disney that we have to spend as much money and everything has to be huge and everything has to be as over the top and all the CGI and put every single thing that we can into this mm. to give people their money's worth. And it's definitely not the case. They can't afford a loss anymore. They're so constantly built on profits now. It's Anything less would be seen as a failure now. Yeah. But it's absurd because you can't keep going like that forever. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Just in make, make a film they've for gone a minute. A shotgun approach. And I think, um, I think obviously, the last 12 months, the fact that, you know, no one's really been able to make any money from releasing anything in the cinema is kind of showing that you can't keep this escalating budget and spectacle thing up because like, it's going to backfire. It's, it's backfire. And so you've got all these studios that are sat in on potentially like these hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investment, which they can't even do anything with. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that, you know, people will lose interest, right? Like a big part of why you want to go and see movies is because of the constant hype cycle. As soon as you start to remove that hype cycle, the interest does start to wane, right? Like mm-hmm. I admittedly wasn't super excited for it to begin with, but like I am less interested in seeing Black Widow now than I think I ever have been. Um, yeah. yeah. I just, I, I, you know, I want to see the new James Bond movie, 
but I just want it to be done. <laughs> I just want it done. Yeah. So Fast and Furious, like, just just get it out. Just just let it get out. Let it happen. Let me move on. Um, on to like whatever the next thing is. Um, so yeah, it's it's a dangerous game to be playing, and I think maybe we might start to see. And you think about like in the last twelve months, partly because of lockdown, how big shows like yeah, Queen's Gambit's been right, uh, which is you know it's a story about a woman playing chess. It's mm-hmm. you know um, it's a it's a character study, and it's one of the most popular shows, and it's probably rated. I think Netflix have just hit two hundred million subscribers worldwide. You wouldn't have had as many people watching like Tiger King even. People would have talked about it, but you wouldn't have had uh, it wouldn't have been as much of a yeah, phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. But but you don't you don't need to spend two hundred and fifty million dollars on no. budget than another, you know, hundred and fifty million dollars on marketing just to make money and also catch people's time and attention and get like, you know, you just don't you don't need to do it. So I think we we are gonna see like a big change. Uh I wonder if like again these Marvel T V shows will start to shape that for Disney. Same with Star Wars, right? Like the thing that people have liked the most about Star Wars and has got the most subscriptions for them has got to have been Mandalorian. Yeah. And for sure. That's that's a relatively safe bet for them, right? Yeah. Whereas um yeah, they spent, you know, God knows how much on the Star Wars sequels. Each one made less money each time round, but the budgets kept going up and it made people (laughs) They blamed they blamed Solo, which is amazing. It's like, no, that Solo's not why people didn't go and watch Solo. Don't fucking divert this one. <laughs> sort of the poor guy. Um, back on Star Wars again. So it's yeah, really roll. Uh I would like to recommend one film I watched yeah. this year. Uh a bit late. I was a bit late to it. It's called Post. Post. Um, it's called Host. It's less than an hour long. It's a horror movie. Which um, one? It's not the host. No, it's just called Host. Uh, it came out this year, and it's based around oh, okay. a Zoom call in lockdown. It was made in lockdown, um, and it's based around just these friends getting together over Zoom to to do like lockdown stuff. I think they're doing a seance in it. Okay, um, great. So it's less than an hour long, uh, but it's really scary. Uh, okay, and it's so good, but also it, it's the sort of film it only makes sense. So a lot of the stuff that happens in it only makes sense because of lockdown and how twenty twenty's been. Oh, that's um, cool. There's so many things it references that everyone has done at some point on Zoom, uh, and like having to have like virtual meetings with your friends and stuff because you can't do it in person, um, and like even like wearing masks and stuff. But it, it, there's so many little things in it, and some of the scares and stuff all come from stuff that you're familiar with only because of lockdown. Like there's no nice. other time this film could be made and it makes sense. Mm. So I definitely recommend watching it. It's on Shudder, which is a channel on Amazon Prime when you can buy yeah. the channels, but you can get a free trial of that for like a week or something. Um, but I definitely recommend it. It's like less than an hour and it's really, really effective and really super interesting because it's just such a unique thing to make a film about. And also it makes sense when we're still in lockdown watching it as well. And that's quite quite refreshing with... Um with horror as well is to have something new that is scary because it's familiar because yeah. everything's nice been done horror, right? whatever the latest thing is they'll find a way to make it scary or because there is another film similar to it called because the whole thing with zoom is it's entirely set it jumps from like screen to screen at no point do you ever leave a computer screen or a mobile phone 
Oh, that's uh, horrible. Okay, that's me- I hate that already. <laughs> I, you yeah. know, in I can't remember. Is it Paranormal Activity Two, mm-hmm. where they've got the the uh, the cameras that move? Yeah, I think that's two. It's just filmed yeah. from there. I fucking hate it so much. The fact that I'm about to see something that I have no control yep. over. Well, you should definitely watch this man. Like I said, it, <laughs> okay, cool. It, it's literally like it's basically like like how we are now recording this, seeing each other. Mm-hmm. But then, like, if something awful was to happen behind you, or you know, stuff like that. Um, but obviously, it has a bit of that. Why didn't you put the camera down? That's uh, there's a couple of bits where you're like, but, yeah. uh, oh, that's half the fun of found footage horror films. I think now is. No way anyone really would be filming during half of the stuff that they do. But it's, yeah, it's, it's so fun. But they get around it most of the time, actually, I will say. Because obviously with a laptop, you can just put it down somewhere and get a good view yeah. of a room. So they do get around it that way. Um, but like I said, I mean, less than an hour, but it's really good And fun. I feel like as well in situations like that where if something crazy is happening and you've got people on the end watching, you're like, okay, I want to make sure you guys see this, but I'm not oh, going they, absolutely crazy they, here. Right? No, they cover that as well. They're like... I'm okay. not going out there. I'm, I'm taking you guys with me, and then like <laughs> left the laptop and start doing that. So um, yeah, it's cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'll um, I'll give that a give that a go. Nice. There you go. Big film podcast today. Big yeah. film podcast. I guess. I guess quickly before we wrap this one up, any any cool new music discoveries? And it and by new, I mean new to you. Um. Oh, I got some. I got some cool vinyls for Christmas. Uh, I got. Um, I think I showed you a picture of them. But I got a uh, ACDC's Highway to Hell. Uh, That's so good. I got uh, Faith No More's Angel Dust. Best. Uh, and I got Foo Fighters' Color and Shape as well. So Great. just That's like, like yeah. three of my favorite albums. Yeah, nice right little trilogy of records. I know you're not the biggest Foo Fighters fan, but um, I Color and the Shape is uh, is the one. It's, uh, it's, solid, it's a solid stuff. record. It's a solid record. Uh, yeah, I heard a couple of songs. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, the album's out soon, so I'll give it yeah. a listen. But um, yeah, uh, so been loving some ACDC. Been really getting back, having like a little bit of a Faith No More time. Um, been listening to the last album uh, quite a bit. The company from about five years ago. Just absolutely it's incredible. Phenomenal. Um, motherfucker. One of the all-time great, uh, yep. great um, Faith No More songs. Also, do you know Tomahawk are releasing a new album or have literally just dropped a new album? Yep. I feel like this is like, okay, we've had a Bungle album. I know. <laughs> Tomahawk album. I feel like a Faith No More record has got to be dropping soon, right? This could drop one d- on Yeah, us. but that's, that's exactly... If people want that, that's exactly why it wouldn't happen. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> nobody like nobody as... was expecting really for them to do another record. I mean, they did one out of almost out of nowhere. Yeah. Almost out mm. of spite for people, like getting over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, yeah, if it might be out of spite actually, because it's a great album. It's very aggressive, that album as well. Though. Uh, yeah. But yeah. it doesn't sound aggressive for the most part either. There's just a mood no. to it. There's <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, mood it's a real it. sense of dread when you're listening to it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Um, so, so but yeah, apart from that, I mean, I've just been like catching up on stuff from uh, the last year. Like, I think without a shadow of doubt, um, my favorite record from last year was, in fact, we should do this in an episode actually. I don't know if you guys all did like your Spotify best of 2020. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I would just like to point out fuck Spotify because I got hacked the shit out of without knowing. And I only found out because of this uh, this top play thing. What's a single country artist on there? What's going on? 
No, so I, I went on, I was like, oh, cool, what was, what was my most played uh, tracks? And there was a track that I have... Ne- I don't even know what the words are. It was, uh, it was in a foreign language. No recognition of this at all. And apparently, in one day, I listened to it 600 times. <laughs> I was like, no, this isn't right. So there was one track by one artist and then like a five-track EP by another... Mm. I've, I, and I, I listened to them after. I've never heard them in my life, and apparently I've listened to them hundreds of times last year. Uh, I didn't realise you meant you actually got hacked. I thought you were going to say, like, your girlfriend had been listening to it and ruining your, your, your oh, vibes no. on your, your playlist. <laughs> but no, you actually got hacked. That's amazing. No, I, I fully got hacked, and they just exp- they must have... I mean, they must have made all of about 37 pence. I thought you were going to say something embarrassing came up, and you're like, oh, it must be a hack. Uh, there's no way I would listen to yeah, that. Like, uh, no uh, one listens to Venga Boys that much. Am I right, guys? <laughs> um, I reckon we'll, uh, if we can all get hold of our, uh, you know, whatever top, whatever our artist songs of 2020, we'll do mm-hmm. a little comparison on the episode. But um, yeah, as I can say, um, I think uh, I've been listening to just the most recent Deftones album, like nonstop. Cause it's, it's I need, like yeah, I still four... need to give this one a go. I still need to do it. I know. It's so good. Sp- we spoke about it a bunch. I just still haven't. Yeah. It's, it's on one of our last episodes uh, where we covered so it. Uh, no, I you, think we released so, that one. Did we release we? that one? No. Nice. We talked about Idols on it as well. Yeah. That, I don't know if so that was back know. in like June or July. So August. That was August. That was August. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know anymore. <laughs> it might be out. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Depending so, on sorry if this one's been released well. before it or after yeah. it. Because uh, I, I, because I, I managed to get hold of a PlayStation Five. So. Oh, uh, cool. I've been playing nice. a lot of. I've, Playing lots of Spider-Man Miles Morales, cool, um, which is real good. Um, uh, as good as Spider-Man, the you know the uh, that's the most recent Spider-Man game in its own mm-hmm. way. There's different things about it. Cool. I think the story in the full, full Spider-Man game is a bit better. Emotionally, it hit me way yeah. harder. But um, love the characters and like the setting of uh, Miles Morales. And he's just got way cooler powers as well, and all all of his yeah. um, outfits are amazing. Um, there's one where he just has a rucksack with a cat with a Spider-Man mask on it. And you just swing around and the cat's popping out the bag and stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. amazing. amazing. Yeah, uh, and you can also get the uh, Into the Spider-Verse outfit. Oh, cool! Uh, but he also moves like the film is animated as well. Oh, and no, then, cool could, then his like bonus power or whatever is that you can have like the power and the WAP sign. So when you're fighting enemies, you get all of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's super cool. And like just swinging around New York, just amazing. You could I could do it all day. It's just it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of been me. You know, that's been me. How about you guys? Listening to anything fun? Beyond Elms. Uh, just like comfort albums i guess or just stuff i like listening yeah. to like i haven't mm. really branched out into i've been listening to six music a bit in the morning because it's really good to work to um and it's quite nice and the djs are much nicer than on in terms of like irritating me than uh, planet <laughs> rock um so i've been listening to no that um, it was a uh, don't i think he's coming back soon i'm a bit worried but um <laughs> uh obviously it was dolly parton's birthday this week um so they played like a medley of all her songs. Well, a bunch of, not all of her songs, but like six or seven in a row, six music. And that was just wonderful uh, 
to just listen banger to. after banger. Honestly, yeah, yeah. just she's a hit, she's, she's a hit hit machine, isn't she? She's just a. Uh, How old is she? Seventy. Let's have a look. Seventy-seven. Do- I want to say Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, she looks a lot younger. Seventy-five. five, I think. But I just think, yeah, she's just amazing. Um, but yes, yeah, but apart from that, just listening to like normal sort of albums like Clash and Pearl Jam, Foo Fighters, Man of Street Preachers, you know that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, no, and then video yeah, games. I've got it. Hitman like, Free it's, today. It's, uh, it's been twelve months of just you know wanting those comforts, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of par for the course with. Mm the odd divergence when it goes onto Spotify radio or also, whatever. But. Whereas also when you find yourself like commuting less or zero in this case, yeah. um, you find, it's not that you find less opportunities to listen to music, but there'd be times where, okay, cool. I'm, I'm walking to work and back and work. Okay. I'm going to put something new on to listen to. Uh, whereas like now it's funnily enough when I'm at home, I'm just like, just put on, I'm at home. I'm comfortable. Just put on like an old favourite. Yeah, especially if I'm away. doing stuff around the house, it's hard for me to concentrate on the new album as much. Yeah. If I'm working or even like doing uh, like housework and stuff, I find it harder to do to listen to something new while mm-hmm. doing other stuff because I just want to concentrate on that. So I'll go for a walk and stuff if I listen to new albums normally just to take it in. Mm-hmm. Lewis, how about you? Well, I th- yeah, I think apart from this weird song like, that you've been listening to <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of times, um, yeah, I think. My, well, my playlist from last year was mostly, um, just, yeah, comfort songs. But this year, I think because I'm, I'm trying to put a lot of energy into like creating music this year. That's mm. my 2021. Like, get get my shit back on track. Um, and I think it's going to sound a bit Garth Marenghi, but I think I've genuinely listened to more. <laughs> I think I've written more music than I've listened to. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, uh, today actually, I thought, do you know who, who songs I like? Every one of that I've heard, but never checked out. Talking Heads. Really? Oh, I've only band. ever I've only ever heard hits, right? And I've always enjoyed them, but I've just never bothered to dive into. Oh, you're in for a real treat. They've got a mm. really, really great. Uh, Discography. Yeah, Remain yeah. in Light is one of my all-time that, favorites. I've got dude, the vinyl of that on the shelf. I can't be bothered to grab it. You have to take, dude, take my word for it. <laughs> that it that is that was the one that uh, that I, I listened to today, and it's fuck me. How have I gone without this for so long? This is so up my street. Yeah, this is so up my street. It almost there's almost like a weird Mike Patton esque quality to it. Mm-hmm. Have you watched Stop Making Sense? No. So that's a concert video they did. Um, it is one of the best music recordings ever. Okay. Like the show, but you you should 100% um, watch it. It's amazing. It's where the whole David Byrne with a big suit thing yes. comes from as well. Um, where the Kermit the Frog. But it's just, yeah. <laughs> but it's just phenomenal and it's really well thought through how they present the stage and how they do it all. Yeah, um, I think a few, a few versions of those songs as well. Um, are like the definitive version of those Talking Head songs to me. I think um, so. Heaven uh, is definitely uh, like the version of like the stripped back version is definitely like yeah. the the primo version for me. But they bring out all the musicians song by song. So the the opening song is Psycho Killer, and it's just David Byrne with an acoustic guitar and then yep. supposedly a tape deck playing a drum beat in the background. Okay, uh, and then they slowly bring everyone out bit by bit until like halfway through the show, you've got everybody 
and all the other. It's just brilliant. It really That's is really phenomenal. Cool. There's yeah. almost a bit of a um, an Oingo Boingo vibe to a lot of it as well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They're very like sort of experimental. Yeah. Art post-punk sort of band yeah as well. that post-punk um, new wave like some polyrhythmic stuff going on on um remain in light especially like that brian eno attention to yeah. detail and reproduction and stuff yeah i i i love that album it's one of that in particular. i like i like you know most talking head stuff but that album is like yeah it, if i had to put together like my you know my top 10 non-heavy metal hard rock type albums that would easily uh fit right in there like without a shadow of a doubt it did it yeah it's it's almost hypnotic right yeah it is you find yourself like your foot tapping without even realizing it yeah that's like yeah, as the first definitely. three songs go along uh you're like okay cool bit of funk to this bit of groove to it and then the pace picks up with each song before you get to uh once in a lifetime but like by the time you get to uh the end of the third track i'm just like bouncing back and forth <laughs> like i yeah fantastic album oh i'm glad you discovered it glad you're into it yeah i'm I'm very excited to carry that one on otherwise uh i thought the other day i was like oh i'm gonna check out garage inc because it's one of those ones that i don't know if if i'm wrong uh (laughs) in the like i've always thought like why don't i love this everyone that i talk to absolutely loves garage inc and it's really highly rated and whenever I think of it, I think of Whiskey in the Jar and how great that is and how wonderful the production is. It's just one of the best sounding versions of a song ever. Mm. So I gave, I, yeah, I tried listening to that again and it's, I, I've made up my mind. It's terrible. <laughs> you don't really? want an album. I, w- I wouldn't go that far. I mean, my, my problem was it was always the most expensive album in the shop. So I never owned it. Um, right. Cause it was like, I swear it was like 25 quid or something. It was something really stupid. Um, but I, I like about, I like most of the old covers on disc two, like the ones they just did throughout their career. And then I like about half of the ones on disc one, I would say. Yeah, it's a funny one because obviously, yeah, it, it's, I guess in like a streaming year, it doesn't really capture that so well, but it, it's a double album on first release. And like the first album, obviously you can tell from the production is just like, you know, them just going, right, we're going to do some covers and it's going to be some metal stuff and some randoms as you wouldn't expect. Like, there's actually, I, I think all of those covers are good, man. Like, even the stuff we think that shouldn't work, like their Nick Cave cover, I love, love a man. Oh, and yeah. uh, Astronomy as well. Like, I think I love, I love that cover Tuesday's Gone with um, with all the uh, guest singers and stuff. Like, See, I, um, I have a real love-hate affair with Hetfield's voice on that album because yeah. bits of it sound great and another bits I think sound too uh, enunciated. Like yeah. To, uh, even for Hetfield, who I love when he really leans into, uh, you know, the words. But uh, I mean, occasionally, I've, like I, I love Leonard Skid and I love Tuesday's Gone, and I like that cover. But there's parts of it that sound really out of tune, which I know. I think it was a live recording, though, so that's probably it was, yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, but I like overall. I love the, I love the uh, Motorhead covers that they did for Lemmy's birthday, like the live recordings. But that works. Like um, Jim, and I've got the, a... the uh, Queen cover as well. That's great. Um, Jim, you mentioned Tuesday. Tuesday's Gone, and that that was the one that made me turn this album off. <laughs> but was the first one you said about, doing, wasn't it? You did yeah. all right then, because like you got pretty much the very it's end. That's like the penultimate track. After that, it's, it's like it's a fucking fucking punk song. Yeah, but it was that moment where I was I I kind of I, it was like waking up from a dream. It was like, hang on, what a fucking waste of my time this has been. <laughs> <laughs> I think if they'd have well, kept the King the thing, Diamond medley to 
Curse of the Pharaohs. If they had just done a cover of Curse of the Pharaohs, uh, it would have been incredible because I love that section. I think it's the second song we do in that medley. Uh, and it's the best bit. And I always turn it off after that. Because um, here's how I feel, okay. I think Free Speech of the Dumb is great. Like the guitar at the start. Oh, yeah. I do like that one. Yeah, this is where I'm going to turn out. I love it. But, yeah. um, it's electric. Um, I take a leave out of Diamond Head. Yeah. Sabra Cadabra with like National Acrobat in the middle. Like I love that version. Um, to the point where I sometimes forget that like the Sabbath version isn't that. Because um, it starts off, we go, which is um, Sa- um, Sabra Cadabra. Then mm. we go into National Acrobat, which is the slower, heavier bit. Um, mm-hmm. Then back in, I, I think that works amazingly. Uh, Turn the Page, I think, is like a great, uh, I, well, great okay. version. Uh, what I will say, I, I'm being harsh. It's not. It's not the worst thing, right? It's but, not essential by any means, though. But this. Right? This it's, is to me. This is the CGI Lion King. Like, why would yeah, I want yeah, this? Covers album. Why would I want this when I could listen to all of these songs minus Whiskey in the Jar being done way better, and I don't have to listen to James Hetfield sing Tuesday's Gone. I love James <laughs> Hetfield. A train will roll on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all he really, he really means. Into it. But I feel that? like most covers albums. Oh, uh, you can level that out. It's, yeah, it's nearly always. I, one. I, mean, I mean, I love Whiskey in the Jar. I love the original, but I think their version's so bombastic that it's different enough where I don't feel like yeah, they're two almost very different songs because mm. obviously with Finn Lizzie, it's more of the traditional folk yeah style song, which it is originally, and then the Hetfield one is more like we're getting drunk at a house party. Yeah, yeah. Also, I think I that's it. Like Most of well, it like, doesn't doesn't um, go that far. It like it doesn't stray far enough to really make it something completely like new astronomy? and exciting no do you know the what i do production. really like hey. astronomy by blue oyster cult i fucking love that song <laughs> so and i really I feel, don't want yeah, to hear metallica do it i think some of like the, the good the thing about like the like the original like 598 ep and the b-side stuff like that is they almost sound like they could be metallica songs in their own right and i think a lot of the best covers not just metallica but in general you kind of you, you forget you know they're so good you forget who did the original right it just kind of becomes their and song and yeah. there's other stuff where you hear the cover like okay it's very obvious they're doing a cover of this like like people like T- Weezer you need to do a cover of Toto's Africa yeah, yeah and we yeah. do a cover of it and it's like okay yeah it sounds like Weezer doing Toto's Africa okay I, I don't need this and again I that's think, another covers album where some of them are quite good yeah but most of them are like yeah it sounds like Weezer doing yeah i think it's a problem with most covers albums to be honest i'm trying to think yeah yeah i think think the best bits of uh garage inc like uh die die my darling and whiskey in the jar is when you just think they work so well it's like yes i'm just listening to this really good metallica song Mm. and then there's other bits where you go yes i'm listening to metallica cover a song and yeah, and I think there are some bands that I don't know. Some bands are great at doing covers, and some bands like you can tell they're doing a cover. If that makes sense. It's how comfortable. It's they are really hard material. one to pin down, right? It's really difficult to explain. There's a je ne sais quoi. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's really, really, really difficult to explain. Like, why have you ever heard Megadeth cover "Out on the Tiles" by Led Zeppelin? <laughs> no, <laughs> I've yeah. never heard a good don't... Megadeth cover. Anarchy think... in the UK, right? Uh, uh, yeah. No, I think they're all dog shit from what I can remember. <laughs> um, they're well, for a new album out soon, aren't they? 
I'm excited. The last one was really good. The last one was amazing. But and the interview with David uh, Ellison said, this one's going to be very different, which I don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I mean, I'm happy. I don't want it to be different. I want it to be... I just they're so inconsistent. You just don't know what's going to happen, do you? I think the law of averages is kind of telling us what we need to know about this album already now. Yeah, do you think it, we've been be spoiled such with the last fluke. one? Where is it'll there? be such a fluke if it's as good. Yeah. Yeah. But then as soon as it, it's rubbish, Dave Mustaine will blame the record label or someone else <laughs> for his inability to write like nine good songs. Uh, I'd love to see him do a solo album and blame everybody. Have they, um, so did they manage? To- did um, the system has failed? <laughs> was meant to be a solo album, and Fuck. then uh, that says a lot about his personality. Yeah, and then <laughs> they they made him do it as a Megadeth album. Um, and it made him just sounds like sounds like <laughs> Megadeth. Him. Who made him? Yeah, I know. Like the record label, Helmut Gunpoint. It's like, dude, you're like one of the most successful like uh, metal musicians of your generation. He like, doesn't think so. Yeah, we've got to control, but like, yeah. but like, who is forcing you to do anything? You can't blame anyone, and like, you have enough, but you can self-release it if you don't like it. Like, he doesn't. On, you can't blame strike anyone. me as someone you could push around at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre this idea that there's some kind of heavy in a suit at like the record did label the, that can uh, get him to when do he, what he wants. We recorded a Toot Le Monde uh, with Christian Scabia <laughs> from Lacuna Call and Vocals, and he was saying before it came out. This is always how I envisioned the song. This is always how I imagined it was going to sound like. Yeah. This is always how I wanted it to be. And then about a year later, it's like the record label forced me. They forced so, me to put it on. Like, like, if you do something like that, just be like, I wanted to see what it was like doing a duet version of it. Own it. It's, it's not for everybody. I yeah. just wanted to do this. It's my music. It's so weird to be like, with your own song, your own ideas to then go like, oh, actually, I no, I am. I was forced into it. Blackmail. Um, I can't say too much, but I think that's a word, word on the street as well. Is that uh, one of the last acts as president uh, Donald Trump pardoned the upcoming Megadeth album, along with a Saint Angus snare drum? <laughs> was was uh, Mustaine wasn't a Trump follower, was he? Probably. I think in the I, early days he probably. Do you know was. the one that really gets me? I still can't get my head around it. The guy from Ice Earth. <laughs> well, no, that I could see coming. If you listen to uh, yeah. Boris Burden, that is long time coming. No, uh, uh, Johnny Rotten. I still, still oh, cannot don't. get my head around that. Don't. Yeah. Don't. We really can't go into that. Yeah. Ugh. What a piece yeah. of shit. How disappointing and just like shite is that? It's just a yeah. fucking phony, isn't it? It just shows. It just shows that he's been a phony this whole fucking time. Well, that's what I worry about. It, like, well, or is, is it, it just a point where he's like lost touch? Probably. No, yeah, well, they, they exactly. quite, it's like one of the things where it's like it's led to like a lot of um, critical reevaluation of the Sex Pistols, and the people say, "Oh, well, they were never a proper band, or they didn't do anything, and this, that, and the other." All kind of come out, and it's like, get where you're coming from, but like. No, that they're at the forefront of like I, I a huge it's... fucking cultural shift in the UK and oh, yeah. the world, right? And so what if they worked with like, you know, um, Vivian Westwood and stuff like that, you know, whatever, like, that's it, like punk and fashion, you know, they've been hand in hand since day one. And yeah, yeah. Just that's, but, that's, that's why we are where we are. Yeah. But now what a fucking idiot. So. But yes, what an yeah. idiot. Fuck I think does country life adverts again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I mean, it's been a long time coming, but still. You don't want to see it, do you? No, no, I, feel, I feel like there's a certain point where, like Trump, if you support Trump, that's it. Yeah, beyond redeeming. It's it's, it's kind of hard. It's really to strange now, right? Oh, I would say if you've consistently followed him for for the whole four years as well, I would say is the other thing. I feel like yeah. maybe early on, 
and then you realize oh actually no this is no good but i feel like if you've been committed to him for four four years of this bullshit then you're like what the fuck are you doing yeah i wonder if people who are like they're in so deep they feel like they have to commit or also, it's just it might just be me and obviously he's not he's not been president now for a day or two but as soon as they banned his twitter didn't it feel like he went away it's amazing yeah i don't even really use twitter only recently have i even got an account <laughs> yeah um but even with me not really being on Twitter at all, it feels like he vanished from my sort of, uh, you know, daily like life. Yeah. Within, within, it's, it's, it's astonishing, isn't it? My, my favorite thing at the moment is every couple of days now, we're getting more and more mugshots of the fucking morons that um, invaded the oh, Capitol man. building. And they didn't wear masks because they're anti-maskers and they filmed the whole thing. <laughs> and every couple of days, you get a new one of these one of these pillocks of you know terrorists which is what they were um and all they've done is they've shaved their beard off and they just get me very sad bold-faced looking men and there was um i think uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to uh wrap it up soon because we've been going like uh over an hour and a half i know but um, but it's it's just a fun one but um i was gonna say because there's that she's like 22 year old a woman who stole nancy Pelosi's laptop and was planning to sell it to the russians and literally the plot of like burn after reading <laughs> burn after reading yeah <laughs> the oh, russians no. yeah you should be very concerned about security, security of your shit ah <laughs> <laughs> oh. it is well, it's a fucking fascinating stuff yeah. yeah i know so, exactly this, i think well, just, just, just to top this up this this thing off yeah. i was just going to say uh i was both surprised and not even slightly surprised to see that um what's his name ted nugent was nowhere near the capitol building because it's exactly the kind of thing that he would say everyone should go and do yeah but it's also the kind of thing that he would obviously because he's spineless (laughs) would absolutely um (laughs) have no involvement in whatsoever yeah he'd just be encouraging people and then hanging back yeah um yeah (sighs) well 2021 guys we made it new year same yeah. old podcast, three boys talking all things fun, dumb, metal, rock, and movies. Um, yeah, more to come. It's right? nice. It's nice to be back, baby. Mm. It's good to be back. It's good. Uh, it's, to it's lovely be to speak back. to you guys again. It's lovely to speak directly into the ears of whoever's listening to this. Hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> if if you've if you've enjoyed this, and if you want to hear more from us, I think we, we're probably going to try and be a bit more regular now. We, we're going to we're going to be slightly more accountable for uh, for getting regular content up. Mm. I I play a yeah. massive part in that, and I've <laughs> I've been it's, slack as fuck. It's <laughs> the, the end of last year became this weird blur. I mean, if of, anyone has a problem with our output, <laughs> I would just say look back over the last twelve months of world events, and then. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe reevaluate yourself. <laughs> but um we, we will be back uh very, very soon. And if you've enjoyed this, please, the best thing you can do for us is to recommend it to a friend. If you think someone might like it, if you think there's an episode that you've enjoyed that someone else might get a kick out of, send it their way. Why not? Mm-hmm. Just give them a little prod. Uh you can find us online uh where we are at Slowy Rock on Twitter. We are at Slowy Rock Podcast on Instagram. I'm slightly out of practice of this. Uh, and we're on Facebook and everywhere else where we are at Slowly Rock. Or alternatively, if you want to get in touch with us directly, uh, you can message slowlywerock at gmail.com and we'll, we'll answer that on the cast. If you want us to. If you don't, then 
Uh, we're probably going to ignore Email it. Email us and tell them <laughs> you don't want to do that as well. Yeah. Either way, email us. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but no, thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, yeah. Guys, it's nice to be back. It's nice to yeah. see both of your faces and hear your voices. Wonderful. It is wonderful. Been good. Well, take care, everyone. Adios. That's it. Bye. Nice. Old Triana. <laughs> I Down don't the know. Line. <laughs> nah, yeah.